Coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, we've asked the question before, what the hell was that in a negative way? Oh, we got a positive one. What was that from the Iowa offense on Saturday against Northwestern? We take a look at the pro football focus numbers as well. Did it match up with what we saw? And optimism going forward, do we have it? Plus, the Hoopsters on the hardwood tonight. Iowa basketball in their exhibition matchup against Truman State and Jeff Warner. That comes your way tonight. We'll talk about it and preview what we're going to see. All coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in once again to the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. I'm Trent Condon. Glad to have you aboard here with us as we talk Iowa football and basketball with you. Iowa fresh off a 33-13 win against Northwestern. We'll talk about that. Some optimism perhaps going into the final month of the season. We saw signs from the offense. We will break it down. Pro football focus numbers and we will also talk a little basketball here as the team takes the hardwood officially for the first time tonight as they take on Truman State exhibition game. That's all coming your way here. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day available wherever you get podcasts. And also you can find us on YouTube. Just search Lockdown Hawkeyes. And when you're there, hit the subscribe button for you podcast listeners, rate and review five stars. That's what we're looking for each and every time and helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Well, let's break it down and take a look back at what we saw on Saturday as Iowa picks up the victory against Northwestern 33-13. to You know, we said it a lot. What was that? How many times we've been this year? Just how bad the offense was. And for a Saturday, it was really good. Now, we have to start with the caveat. This is a bad Northwestern team. They've lost seven consecutive games. They've lost to Duke. They lost to Southern Illinois. After their win in week one over in Ireland against Nebraska, this team, frankly, is not very good. And we talked about it going into the game last week. Some of numbers. If there was ever going to be a time for this Hawkeye squad to improve, to see big improvement, to put up the numbers that we were anticipating, it had to be in this matchup against Northwestern. And they did just that. So looking back at the game and what we saw, starting in the opening drive, you see Caleb Johnson out there right away. It's something that we have continued to harp on here on the podcast, on my radio show, where you can catch me 11 to 1 each weekday on KXNO. We've talked about this a lot. Caleb Johnson is your best playmaker on this offense. It's not even close. There's nobody with the same kind of skill set right now that he has. Keegan Johnson, he's not out there. Arlen Bruce, he's a nice piece. He's not a guy that's going to be out there being an all-Big Ten wide receiver at this point in his career. Tight ends, Laporte is a good tight end, a solid tight end, but is he at the elite level? He's very good. He's very good. Caleb Johnson's different. And we still have not seen, obviously, the best football from him. I think there's still another gear that he's going to have. But they went out there right away, made a concerted effort. We're going to get him the football, open up some holes. The other part of this, and big thank you to Coach Braun who sent this in, and I think a really good point. And you can hit us up on Twitter at Lockdown Iowa's, where you can find us there with your comments and your questions each and every day. He uh, he said a lot of elements of Wisconsin in this one, and what he is alluding to is the game plan and the scheme. We've seen jet sweep motion, we've seen Iowa use that, but. Not at a full-time level. You know, this is not something that we've seen out there week after week, majority of the plays, and that was different in this football game. But not only using the jet sweep, which 
helps move guys around, keeps the eyes moving, the linebackers and the safeties. We talked about the difficult nature of running the football here with Iowa's offensive woes this year because teams are able to put eight guys, nine guys in the box at times, and it doesn't matter how good your offensive line is, you're not going to be able to run the football against those kind of fronts. So it adds an extra element here. It felt a lot like Wisconsin, what we saw in past Wisconsin teams with Paul Christ and going back with Brad Bielema, what they do with that jet sweep motion. It's not giving it to them, you know, a majority of the time, anything like that, but it's making it more difficult. It's a different read that those different defenders have to use. And because of that, it helps open up some lanes offensively. I thought it was a really good point and something you see. Was this John Budmeyer you know, getting a little bit more control? The off- the uh, quarterback guru that came in here to try to help out this year certainly hadn't played out to this point, but felt like his fingerprints were on this game plan a whole lot and very good to see. It opened up running lanes for Caleb Johnson. You saw the offensive line play their best game of the season, and it's not even close. You know, you go back to the Nevada game, the only other time we've really seen this Iowa offense do much of anything this year. First of all, that Nevada game was so weird with all the lightning delays and ending at 140 in the morning and everything of the like. But though we saw some offensive improvement in that football game, also remember a lot of that was the defense struggles for Nevada, but they had times where they really did struggle even in that football game to move the ball consistently. That was not the case here. Four possessions in the first half, two touchdowns, two field goals. They march right down the field. They get the field goal. The, the uh, installs at the 10 yard line, get a Drew Stevens field goal. Then they come back, get another touchdown. You got the sneak. Caleb Johnson was just about in Spencer Petras, but puts it in there. Spencer Petras played well. Look, I don't believe that Spencer Petras is a great quarterback. This does not cure what we've seen over the last two and a half years plus of him as a starting quarterback, and suddenly that it's all figured out. Look, you don't just figure things out this late in your career. You are what you are, but for a Saturday, he was really good. Against a bad Northwestern team, he was good. Credit to him of going out there and after that putrid performance against Ohio State. Maybe played one of the worst halves of football we've ever seen from an Iowa quarterback. I've been around 42 years. I remember... Faintly, 1985, those are my first earliest memories of Iowa football. I've seen a lot of football, as you have, I'm sure. And there has been some bad quarterback play. That first half was as bad as it is, yet he bounced back, played solid, had time, and that's, again, a credit to that offensive line. We saw a couple other wide receivers. Brody Brecht, of course, out there playing more and more, but also Deontay Vines. Now, Vines had a couple of drops, including one in the end zone, another one on the sideline. Got to clean that up. Remember, he's coming off a wrist surgery and a broken wrist. So wide receiver, wrist, hands, those are pretty important overall, but still good to see him out there. He looks to have a little bit of fluidity to him, something that he can make some plays, and certainly there's improvement there. For a day, it felt really good, and we're going to talk about that. So do we take the positive feelings of Saturday, and do we take them, and do we actually create some optimism here? Is this lead to us looking at this team and saying, they can make a run here. You know, they can maybe not rip off four consecutive victories here in November, but at the very least, they can go out there. They can be competent, get back to a bowl game, at minimum win two games, and then we'll see what the offseason brings. Is that what we are? We'll tackle that as we continue here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. We got some basketball talk as well as the team will take the hardwood tonight. Excited to see them out there. Uh, that's coming your way as we continue on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Bet online. It's a great resource if you're a sports better like I am. Bet online, the place to go for all your sports wagering nation. For find the latest 
their developments, team matchup, news, podcasts, and analysis on every. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. All the games from the World Series going on right now as we get ready for game three tonight. College football, MMA, they have you covered. The NBA and NHL underway going on. It's a great time of year, and they have you covered at Bet Online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more where the game starts. Trent kind of back with you again on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Where you get podcasts, hit while you're there also if you're on youtube we would greatly appreciate that helps us get in front of more hawkeye fans and continue to spread the word what we're doing we got Lashawn daniels he's going to be stopping by later in the week he was the honorary captain of the game on saturday against northwestern we'll talk about that with him the experience that he had what he had to say to the team really excited to get Lashawn in here and break things down with him a little bit further and what he saw up close and personal as iowa played one of their best football games certainly of the year in the 33-13 win over Northwestern. Biz will stop by also later in the week. I'm heading to Vegas later this week. Going to be hanging out at Circa. Excited if you missed it over the weekend, the uh, Iowa-Purdue game. That will be an 11 a.m. kickoff. We'll take a quick peek at the Boilermakers as well here a little bit later in the podcast. But uh, going to be at Stadium Swim at Circa Sports. So excited to be out in Las Vegas. So we'll have you covered. Not sure we'll get an instant reaction podcast. I'll be hanging out at a cabana. It's going to be tough. It's my wife's birthday weekend. She turns 40. So hey, we'll, we'll see what we can pull up over the weekend. But we'll certainly got you covered here all throughout the week with Iowa football and basketball. Again, that starts tonight. So I pose a question. You walk away from the win. I wanted to be positive. You guys know if you've been listening to me for a while. As a sports fan, I am not the most optimistic person. In my real life, I'm a great, huge optimist. I'm positive, love to bring positive directions to everything that I do in every walk of life. But as a sports fan, that's a little bit different. As a sports fan, I am, of course, a Hawkeye fan. I am a Bears fan. Mentioned earlier, 1985, of course, the number one versus number two game against Michigan. Everything that happened that throughout that season, the run to the Rose Bowl, national championship, it doesn't end well with Ronnie Harmon, but you have that component of it. I'm a Hawkeye fan. Then I'm a Bears fan, 1985. It's been down, downhill ever since. So they've had some good teams, one other Super Bowl appearance. Still, that organization, they can drive you a little bit nuts. I'm a Twins fan. Yeah, the Twins, oh boy, yeah, 1991. That was the last time I've seen one of my teams win a championship, 1991. How about that with the Twins? It's been a long, long 31 years for this sports fan. Timberwolves, wild, exactly. So my DNA as a sports, not exactly optimistic. The pessimistic view seems to seep in. But I want to see, can we be optimistic after that one? Northwestern, we put the caveat in. They're bad. Bad defensively, couldn't do much offensively. The defense for Iowa was outstanding, all those different things. Is this this a reason for optimism? And I think it starts in one place. If this offensive line can protect the way that they did, the shuffling of the offensive line that they did, Connor Colby going from tackles, a place that he has struggled all season long. He was thrown into the mix last season as a redshirt freshman. He was playing guard. He did good at times. He played well at times, but you can see he was a freshman out there. You move him out. You kick him out to tackle this year. And the thought, the thought and the hope was that he was going to develop and he was going to take what he learned a year ago and he was going to be able to do it. It hasn't played out. Does that mean that Connor Colby can never 
be a tackle. I'm not sure to go there, but for this season, it wasn't working. You know, think back to the Michigan game. Iowa gets the football back. He got this faint hope in that football game, and he just gets absolutely clubbed three different times on that final possession for all intents and purposes of the football game when Iowa still had a chance maybe of making that a football game. You saw that. We've seen so many times. You move him inside. Jack Plum's a veteran. You put him back out there at tackle. He played well. Colby played a whole lot better inside. Logan Jones continues to improve. All these things together. If the offensive line can be even at an average level, not to say that this team's going to be the 2002 team of the offensive line or anything like that over the final month of the season, but if they can just be adequate, I think you have a chance for optimism. You have an elite level defense, as we talked about all season long. This defense is just so good at watching them out there, flying around, making plays, having fun. And Riley Moss, he had a smirk on his face a couple of times after the couple of those big sticks. Came on Merriweather late in the half as he gets the interception. Those are the plays that you can see. This defense, they're having fun out there. And when their offense supports them just a little bit, it does give you that optimism that this team not going to rip off four consecutive victories. I think that's unrealistic. All four of these games are all winnable. All four of these games are also losable the rest of the way. It gives you at least hope. Can this team muster together, get to six and six, get six victories, get back to bowl eligibility, get the practices that come along with it. I posed the question before, is it better for this team to not be bowl eligible and really have to reevaluate in the offseason what they're doing offensively, what they can do to improve, find an offensive coordinator that hasn't a clue, do all those different things. For now, I'm not ready to go to that spot. I am optimistic. I'm optimistic they saw on Saturday is not a mirage that this team is making improvements along that offensive front that gives them at least a chance and at least hope. And you see Deontay Vines, and you know the tight ends are good, and you can continue to see Arlen Bruce. We mentioned using the jet sweeps earlier in the game and his involvement in that. Ragaini going there and making a couple of plays. Maybe, just maybe, this team can at least okay on the offensive side of the football. Be a C-minus. A C-minus with this defense, you can win two, three games the rest of the season, and positivity certainly going in. And then see what you can do to fix the offense in the offseason. That's the hope right now. Mention Pro Football Focus. If you're new to Pro Football Focus, these are guys that uh, one person grades each and every college football and NFL game on a scale. And their scale basically sets up through 100, 0 to 100, and it kind of gives you a baseline of what guys are and where they're playing. If you're a 70 or above, you played good football. You're 80 above, that's an elite-level game. That's kind of a baseline of what you're looking at with these numbers from Pro Football Focus. Starting at the quarterback spot, Spencer Peters, one of his best games of the year, a 79-and-a-half, and it played out. Not only what we saw him throwing the football, he was on time. That was excellent to see. He looked like a different quarterback than anybody we'd seen all season long. But how about the scram. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not going to wow you. I mean, he's not even Tom Brady. He is one of the least athletic quarterbacks you're going to find in college football. But but when plays were breaking down, excuse me, when there were those moments out there that he was, you could tell the offensive line, all right, going to give something up. He stepped up. He made a little movement. He tried to get first down. He put his head down. That was smart football and something that we hadn't seen from him, not just this season, but over the last couple of seasons. Pocket presence is something in Iowa quarterbacks in general that's probably driven me nuts since Drew Tate was out there who had as good as pocket presence that you're going to find as a quarterback collegiate level. Since then, even the good ones, Ricky Enzi, certainly C.J. Beathard. Pocket presence has never been a strength for these games. And for the first time in a long time, saw that on Spencer Petras. He grades out very well. I think the most incredible number out of this, he goes 18 of 18 
on passes between zero and 10 yards. Now, these are the easy throws. These are the money throws. But how many times this year have we seen Spencer Petras airmail, just simple stop routes, and an out route to the sideline, swing passes that he missed terribly? That was not the case. He was locked in, played really, really well. And when you hit each and every one of those, that's something you got to tip your ball cap to. Uh, the, the running back spot. 29 snaps for Caleb Johnson, 31 for LeSean Williams. Would like to see Caleb Johnson see those numbers a little bit higher, as we talked about at the top. He graded out over an 80 and 81.3 for Caleb Johnson. Take those training wheels off. That is the guy needs to be touching the football. He touched it a lot. Needs to be even more for him going forward. At wide receiver, Ragaidi was their top-rated a wide receiver at a 71.7. Deontay Vines and Arlen Bruce both with 63s. Good to see Vines out there. Got to bring in those catches we talked about, but good there. And Brody Brecht uh, with a 53. Tight end Laporta was Laporta. He was really good. Luke Lachey had the touchdown. He was a 65, uh, some of the numbers there. This is the one, though, that surprised me from those pro football-focused numbers. Offensive line. Talked about how well it played. This did not marry what I certainly saw with my eyes on Saturday. Nobody grades out higher than a 69. No 70s out of the whole group. Your highest-rated guy was Logan Jones. Now he was 69.9. Right there on the precipice of 70, uh, 69.2 for Jack Plum. Those guys rated out very high. Mason Richmond played well. Connor Colby better at a 60. Nick DeYoung, as he split snaps with Bo Stevens, uh, he was at a 62.8. Good to see from DeYoung, a veteran, getting back out there after really struggling. Uh, Stevens was your lowest rated guy. But that's kind of what you had overall on this one. Richmond, your left tackle. Colby at left guard. Logan Jones, of course, in the middle, the split right guard between DeYoung and Stevens. And then Jack Plum played all the snaps at right tackle. Have they figured it out finally? It only took eight games, but it looks like you have something there. And then defensively, the depth of the defensive line. I mean, just all kinds of guys out there making plays. Lucas Van Ness, he was a monster. Deontay Craig, every time that dude's on the football field, it feels like he's making big plays. Herkett goes up there, gets a good left tackle from Northwestern, guy that might be a first-round pick. He had a sack on him, just absolutely bulldozed him. Good to see Ethan Hercat maybe getting a little bit more healthy and adding even more depth to this defensive line. Boy, they got some dudes up there, and they played at a high level. Of course, Jack Campbell was Jack Campbell. Seth Benson had a really good game, but credit to Jay Higgins. His dad, great follow on Twitter. Hawk, hawk, hawk. Hey, a hawk, hawk, hawk to Jay Higgins and what he did on Saturday. Led the team in tackles. He was flying around. He was making plays. Coming in a very difficult spot. Justin Jacobs goes down. They have to shuffle a little bit. What are they going to do with the cash position? How much are they going to use that third linebacker? We've seen Higgins a lot. From where he was at the beginning of the season, getting those reps at linebacker, he's made some huge, huge improvements. Have to be happy with what you see there. And it showed up uh, in the numbers from Pro Football Focus as he grades out at a 75.9. Really good good guy to Jay Higgins and a guy, uh, the heir apparent to play inside next year. Jack Campbell will go off to the NFL and Higgins, you're in a good spot with him uh, for next season. The defensive backfield, Riley Moss, again, reception, but he played it level. He was all over the place. He was physical. He was doing those things. Got to see some of the reserves in there late as well, including Xavier Wampa. This defense, they're special. One other thing, special teams, Evans, Stevens, Drew Stevens, what he was able to do, that 54-yarder, just a thing of beauty. I mean, he is calm, cool, collected. He played really well. And Torrey Taylor, he was out of practice, didn't have to punt the first half. He comes into the third quarter and shanks one. Well, hopefully that's not a sign of things to come, though. A little bit of a dead leg. I wonder about that with Torrey Taylor. Not some of the pop that we've seen early in the season from him. Only one punt opportunity. That's a good thing, folks. Putting is not winning. Knock it off with the t-shirts. Winning 
scoring points. Let's hope this continues for this Iowa team. Those are the numbers from Pro Football Focus. We'll come back on the other side, and it's time to talk a little basketball. We'll also take a quick peek at Purdue, the matchup for the Hawkeyes this week. Will the optimism continue? We'll talk about that as we roll through. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Trent kind of with you once again on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Next listen, check out Lockdown Today. The Lockdown Sports Today podcast takes the biggest stories of the day, instant reaction, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get podcasts. So as we wrap up here, quick forward Purdue coming up this week. We'll break this game down more as we get closer and closer to it. Of course, the big uh, talking point this week is getting about Charlie Jones. His decision to transfer from the University of Iowa, go to Purdue for his final season of eligibility. At the time, I questioned it. Not because I didn't know he was going to get more opportunity at the wide receiver spot and get more catches. You knew that was going to happen. But because I felt his only chance of being at the next level was as a return man. I mean, that was going to be the best chance for him to stick at the next level. We saw him at Iowa, just how good he was. The Purdue special teams, and especially their return game, has never been one of their strengths in comparison to what we see from LeVar Woods year after year after year. I questioned it. I was dead wrong. I mean, this dude has gone out there at this point in time. Look at the numbers that uh, that Jones has had at this point. 72 catches, 840 yards, nine touchdowns already for him as a wide receiver. Tyrone Tracy, obviously there, and a little payback, not just from last year. Iowa comes in off the win against Penn State, ranked second in the country. Purdue throttles them 24-7 to a game that wasn't even as close to that. David Bell's over there making places. But just in general for Phil Parker, beloved defensive coordinator, what he's done year after year after year, getting this team up, the program running at a high level, well, Brahm and company run circles around him. I mean, they've made this defense look bad year after year. And it's not just David Bell. It's not just Rondell Moore. I mean, you go back early in the Brahm year, some French receiver, was it Nagamu? Something like that. This dude's out there making plays all over the place. I was flipping defenders around, trying to change things, and they couldn't figure it out. And they have not been able to figure out Purdue. We'll see what Phil Parker has in store this week. You'd hope maybe a similar game plan to what you saw against Ohio State. Yes, 54-10, but we know that defense holding them to 360 yards, 2.2 yards per carry, how well they played in a difficult spot as the Iowa offense had turned it over six times in that football game. They blitzed a ton in that game, and they put those uh, cornerbacks on an island a whole lot. They put the safeties on an island and said, you're going to have to cover. This is going to be the game. I think you got to do a similar thing here. Make the quarterback, O'Connell, make him uncomfortable. I think you have a chance against Purdue. We'll see what Phil Parker comes up with the this week. Again, we'll break that game down more, look a little bit deeper into the matchup coming up here throughout the week on Locked On Hawkeyes. Basketball tonight. That's right. We get to see the team out on the hardwood for the first time. They played one of those secret scrimmages against UMKC. What are you going to learn against a bad Summit League team? Not a whole lot. But one thing we do know, Aaron Ulyss, excuse me, will not be available for this football game, a basketball game, excuse me. Ulyss uh, has been suspended for the game uh, because of that. 
going to see a change in the lineup. And it sounds like your lineup that you're going to see is not going to be the freshman DeSante Bowen get the start. It's going to be Tony Perkins at the point guard spot, something I am a big Tony Perkins fan, always have been. Something about him, his ability to get to the rim. Of course, he played so well late in the season after he moved in the starting lineup, him along with Jordan Bohannon. We saw the improvements out of the team that they made. Of course, the run to the Big Ten tournament title that they had. But the other part is you saw Tony Perkins, though Bohannon was out there, he was running point quite a bit during that time. It's something that I think he can be very good at. His abilities are a lot different than some of the point guards we've seen in the past in the Fran McCaffrey era. I'm excited about this, and we'll see if it's going to stick. So it'll be more than likely what you'll see, Tony Perkins starting at point. You'll see Sanford then starting at a two, continue to hear reports of just how well he continues to practice and what a high level he's just shooting the basketball, which he can do. He's up to six foot nine now. I mean, he's a big dude. He's rebounding well. Not going to wow with his athleticism defensively, but with the link that he has, he can help out there. Patrick McCaffrey at the three, Chris Murray at the four, and then Philip Robracha at the five. So that'll be the starting lineup. Chance to play around. Truman State tonight. Jeff Horner's team, he is down there now. I believe his fifth season uh, in Kirksville as he is over the reins, took over for Chris Foster, the former UNI guard, and he's done a really good job. Three consecutive consecutive NCAA tournaments for him and that program. They've won 20 games, three straight years. D2 program, Chance, remember the last time he brought a team up here? There was a little John after the game, and that's Jeff, and that's Fran, and it's all right, and it was all well and good after the basketball games. But should be a fun one there. Ten Iowans also on the roster for Truman State. So if you're a high school basketball fan, they'll be, hey, I remember that kid, and you'll be able to see them tonight. We'll see what combinations are out there. What do we get out of the big guys off the bench? Is a Gundelay ready to go? Can you give him six, eight minutes game? Is he a guy that's going to be able to do that? What do we see out of Riley Mulvey? Some of the new pieces. Mentioned DeSante Bowen earlier. Really excited to see him out there. Will we see any Josh Dix coming off that leg injury? Uh, that broken, ugly that he sustained last year at the high school level in Council Bluffs. So a lot going on there, a lot to talk about, and we'll continue to break that one down after the game tonight. It's a BTN Plus game. It means it will not be available on your DirecTV, on 610, or on Mediacom, or whatever your system is. Not available on TV. It is a subscription BTN Plus that you'll have to get if you want to watch it. I'll have it. I'll be watching, and we'll be breaking things down here on the podcast. A busy week in front of us. We'll talk to LaShawn after his opportunity to be on the field for the game on Saturday against Northwestern. He was the honorary captain. We'll get some talk about that. A look to Purdue and some basketball as we get ready for November. Have a happy Halloween out there. Take your dad tax. Take your mom tax. Make sure to get all the good ones, whatever it may be. Hundred grand, Reese's, Snickers. Yeah, get the good ones out of there. Kids will be fine. Get your tax. Get your candy. Enjoy it. And we will enjoy this all week long. It's the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. I'm Trent Condon. Thanks for joining us. And thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, again, check out Lockdown Sports today. From the games that matter to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Lockdown can provide. Lockdown Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. I'm Trent Conda. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast.